baseball fans, this is uh, Brandon Hall and Matt Payne, and we've been on the road. Spring break, 10 straight days. Who am I kidding, Matt? We got to see a ton of baseball. Are you freaking kidding me? Best time of the year. I don't care that I got in at 2 a.m., and I don't care that we're going to post this on a Thursday while recording on a Thursday. It's a great time. We can talk about baseball in North Carolina. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. Been at the ballpark for however many days straight, eating ballpark food on the road. It's been good. I had a rule. I, I was going to do one meal a day at the ballpark. That way I, I controlled, you know, trying to stay on the diet, trying to stay uh, good with that. Um, East Mech, boy, they freaking brought it. They had at the Jack Sink, they had a Jamaican pulled jer- or a Jamaican jerk chicken off the grill with the yellow rice and salad. Um, that was really good. And then the Terry Sanford tournament had uh, a pork chop sandwich right off the grill, which was really good. So, but I was able to stay, you know, I, I kept to my times, my last meal, except for last night was at seven. Uh, so I could stay on my, on my plan. And I, for the most part, was able to mix in a salad. So I felt pretty good about myself. You did a lot better than me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I ate before nine o'clock, we were at Corinth last week and the grill smelled really good. I did lunch and I told myself I would not eat dinner until after the last game. And, uh, didn't make it, went back and uh, got another grilled hamburger. So it was good. Yeah, last night was the only night I really cheated. I tried to be done eating, you know, that 7, 7.30 deal, and I, I tried not to eat the next day until a little bit after afternoon. Um, but the drive home, I, I, I was tired. I mean, I, that had been – that was three straight days, seeing five games, five games, four games. Um, the last game at Terry Sanford was, it was a great game. It was very competitive, but – it was like watching a Sunday game in college where, you know, the starters who were both position players were a little fatigued, more balls put in play. Defense was competitive and, and, and effort was great, but it was a little sloppy at times. And so it's 5 nothing. It's it's 7-6. It's 11-7. It's 12-9. You know, and in the seventh inning, I'm sitting there thinking, maybe I can shoot out of here in the fifth and kind of still do my reports but the uh, East Bladen put the tying run on in the seventh, you know, down 12-9 and had a chance to maybe hit a double and, and tie the game up. Instead, they hit it to a double play and ended the game. But um, all in all, you know, uh, a great really 10 days for us. Um, I know we talked about it, the, the amount of material we had going out over Twitter, um, the amount of hits and the amount of kind of back and forth we've had with some players and some teams and some coaches has been fantastic getting that information out. We're well over 200 teams in the state of North Carolina that we've seen play this spring, not just me and you, but our staff. Um, you know, now that comes the fun part though. Uh, today we're going to do the podcast. We're going to start blogging today, tomorrow, probably into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, because we have got a ton of information to push out. What we sent out on Twitter was just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh you can only get so much out when you're trying to, Watch games and tweet too, but uh, a lot of information. Got to see a ton of players, a uh, ton of teams, and then you know being at the at the coast, seeing some uh, teams for the first time this year. It was a uh, it's been a great week, no doubt. We're going to start with something that released yesterday on uh, Prep Baseball Report from our draft guy Shooter Hunt, who's kind of our, our national cross checker, um, and then uh, Dave Seifert, who is works with us and D1Baseball.com. Is kind of our college scout and prepping for the draft. 
they released a draft board yesterday. It's got some North Carolina influence right there. Number four, Walker Jenkins, who you had a chance to see play this week uh, at least twice over at the, the Big Rock Tournament uh, as South Brunswick was over at Moorhead City. Um, but what we're seeing at the top, we got two LSU guys, Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens. Um, you know, Walker at, at four. You know, looking through the list just a little bit as it just dropped yesterday, um, anything kind of stand out to you as you're just kind of kind of flipping through it? No, love seeing Walker there. Uh, you know, I've never seen Max Max Clark in person. Uh, would be interesting to to see that in person. I know you have to to compare him to what I've seen with Walker, and uh, uh, he's fun to watch. And you know, being obviously a lot of a lot of pro guys and decision makers in the ballpark, and kind of hearing things float around and and what they have to say about him. He's a special talent that uh, doesn't come along very often. Yeah, you know, and when you look at the two, Walker looks more the part, I think. I think Max probably is a better runner just from what I've heard. I've actually seen Max run. I've heard what Max ran at one point coming from his his mouth, which even if even if he didn't run that number, it was still – if he was off two, like two tenths, it's still a 70 runner. I don't think Walker's quite to that level, but I do think, you know, the, the, the swing – that's where you're trying to compare the two players. Which one do you think is going to produce maybe more, maybe quicker uh, in their journey to the big leagues? And I, I think it's going to be an interesting debate, you know, that cross checkers are going to have to have because I think all, all the area guys in both areas love those two young men because they seem to be great guys. Yeah, it was uh, obviously Walker's power stands out and he moves around the bases pretty well too. And, you know, what stands out is his uh, relationship with his teammates, uh, leadership leadership skills, how, how engaged he is, you know, he's, he's playing center field and there'll be a ball hit the, hit the left. And he's over there behind the left fielder backing up, you know, it's, it's, it's impressive what he does and how hard he plays. And, uh, you know, just, they don't come along very often like that. Well, one of the reasons that Wake Forest is ranked as high as they are with D1 baseball, I think has them at number two again this week um, is they've got just a load of talent in this list that we just published um, but you kind of go through, and I'm looking, you know, kind of to see where, you know, some of the other guys land. Alex Mooney is a shortstop at Duke, uh, is at 51. Uh, Will Sanders is a Friday night guy at South Carolina, comes in at uh, 52. Um, I'm looking at some of these guys I saw at the NHSI uh, in carry a couple weeks are, are in the list. You know, some maybe a little bit higher than I would have had them. Uh, Noble Meyer, who we talked extensively about last uh, two weeks ago, um, you know, we have at number eight. Um, and so we kind of continue to go through, and I, it's a good crop of high school guys in North Carolina. But when you start talking about trying to put the, the top 100 guys together with high school and college, there's a risk factor with high school bats. There's a risk factor even with high school arms. And I, and I know you had a chance to talk to some people about you know, evaluators and how they're making decisions and how they're weighing talent versus risk. You know, Speak on that a little bit as, as we're kind of – um, getting set for that stretch run for guys like Chance Mako and Hayden LaFew and um, Tucker Holland. Uh, obviously, Walker is going to be in that mix and maybe some other bats that may come along uh, like our catcher at Wake Forest. Yeah, yeah at the top, Cruz and Skeens, two college guys, uh, you know, and they've been impressive. You hear the, the Strasburg comp with Skeens at times and then the numbers Cruz puts up and but from a team standpoint, you know, you got you way do you go college bat, college arm, uh, 
you know, the, the college bat will be closer to the big leagues, get there faster. But you take a kid like Walker Jenkins and it may be a little bit longer to get there, but you know, the grades they have on him, you know, you're looking at a, a potential 10 league, 10 year big leaguer, uh, all-star uh, there's big time numbers on him and it may take a little longer, but you may have a, have a once in a generation talent there where versus the college bat, it, he may get there quicker, but the, the long haul may not be as good, you know, and I think those decision makers weigh that. You experienced it a little bit, uh, maybe not to the level that Walker's going to experience it, but talk about that development for hitters. You know, obviously you went from high school to college to, to the pro game, but I mean, Walker, Walker's a special talent. Max Clark's a special talent. Dylan Cruz can flat out play this game. What is it that Dylan Cruz needs to do before he gets to the big leagues? What is it that Walker Jenkins needs to see before he has that chance to kind of continue to climb that ladder? What are they? What's what's going to happen as they get into pro ball? What are, what are the expectations as you're looking from an outside in that a player may not understand exactly how this is going to work as they get to that next level? I think with what Cruz has done and being in the SEC, and he's he's facing Chase Dolander, who's in that league, so he's facing big league type arms and and he's seeing that I, I don't think his learning curve will be as much he's been through more he's played a longer season he's seen better stuff better arms and then obviously what he's done on the sur- summer circuit but you take walker jenkins who high school season going into pro ball he hasn't seen quality arms on a regular basis he hasn't had to do it every day so i think for the high school kid it's uh maybe not as much a talent thing but uh getting used to doing it every day finding that routine uh, seeing those arms all the time, you know, uh, Walker saw a lot of, you know, average high school arms. And then, you know, he faces Nathan Tig yesterday, who's going to Vanderbilt. And when you see that once every month, it's, you know, it's a, a harder adjustment than seeing it every, every day. Yeah. And I think the other thing from following some of my pitchers that kind of trekked into, into pro ball and talking to them, picking their brain, you know, some of our guys came out and cruised through a ball you know, and then cruised into double A ball. And if their stuff allowed them, we had done a fairly good job, in my opinion, developing pitchability. If stuff allowed them, they, they, they were getting outs in double A. What would happen is at some point in double A or triple A is the stuff really becomes, it becomes, uh, you have to have a certain level, you know, no matter what your pitchability is, you know, in, out, up, down. You know, I can remember Adam Mills telling me when he got to AAA because we went and watched a start here in Charlotte when he was with the Red Sox. And he was the first guy in his draft class that included David Price to get to AAA. Now, David played in the World Series later that year, but Adam was the first guy in that draft class in AAA. And, you know, he had a couple of starts where, you know, he had 30, 35, 40, 45 pitch innings. And you're looking at it, he's not giving up runs. He just couldn't put some guys away. You know, he'd get a guy to two strikes, they'd, they'd flip it and foul it off, flip it and foul it off, flip it and foul it off, and waiting for him to make a mistake, and then, bing, they're on the barrel. From a hitting standpoint, I think, you know, the high school guys and Dylan Cruz and some of the hitters on this list, I think have been through it. Jacob Wilson at, at Grand Canyon has probably been through it, where there's enough information out. We have an idea of what his hot zone is and what his cold zone is. Now, can we execute and get there? Do we have the stuff to get there? Maybe, maybe not, but we're going to try to expose those those issues. When you get to pro ball, I don't know that in a ball they can get to the issue. They have the, the they have the stuff, but I don't know if they can get there. As you get into AAA, they're going to have the stuff, and they're going to be able to expose. If you if your swing's long and you got a hole, they're going to pound that hole. 
may miss occasionally. You may, you may get you one, but they're going to pound that hole. And then as a hitter, can I, can I adjust? Can I, can I cover that hole up? Um, you know, and it's not necessarily even fixing the hole. I remember, uh, you know, in the Moneyball book and, and that all, all the things that came out, people are, are diagnosing hitters. Uh, Giambi was playing first base. And they talked about his cold zone was about at his belly button on the inner three inches. The problem is he had hot zones all around it. So if you missed by more than a baseball, you were in his area where he was going to hit the ball 100, 115 miles an hour. Now, if you hit in that cold zone, he swung and missed. But if he had shrunk that cold zone so much, he becomes an elite hitter. And I think that's what we're looking for hitters to do, is they need to have their flaws exposed. And it may be double like for some of these guys because they're so talented. But they need to have flaws exposed and then correct. Because when you get to the big league levels, you know, even guys that, that have been there, um, you know, for year Austin Riley with the Braves and, um, yeah, I'm a Braves fan, so Dansby Swanson and um, the Freddie, Freddie Freeman, those guys have holes that uh, appear year to year, and they need to adjust and, and make a corrections on them within week-to-week basis. So is that accurate, you think? Yeah, there was actually, you know, guys at the park this week uh, talking about if you look at Dylan Cruz's hot zones right now on, on true media, it's it's all red. There's like no blue yeah. in the strike zone. So it's, you know, it's it's unbelievable that he's hitting everything right now and up, down, in and out. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen a year like that in a long time. It must be nice to be him, too, because you got Tommy Tank sitting behind him. So if you walk him, he steals second and Tommy gets an RBI. So you have to attack him. You know, which means it, it, as a pitcher going in, you better have really good command of something and, and try and, you know, it's it's almost the Greg Maddox, Tony, uh, Tony Gwynn deal where Greg basically said, I can't get him out when I'm ahead, so I'm just going to throw the ball middle and see if I can freak him out by think, him thinking I've missed my spot. You know, the, it's just hot zones everywhere. Let's just put it in the middle and let him hit it. He's going to do what he's going to do. Here's, here's a, a, a line drive to left. Good. Great, great job, Tony. Uh, try to minimize from there. I know you, you've spoken on it here before, but you go back to the new Hanover team that was so good when Trot was there. And, you know, they were at the tournament I was at this weekend, and we were talking about it. And I was like, well, talking about Walker Jenkins getting walked. And I said, well, you know, how much did Trot get walked? And then they start going through the guys in the lineup. It was like kind yeah. of pick your poison right there. So uh, it definitely we, matters when you have yeah. around you. A lot of times there were people already on base. So if you're walking him, you know, you, you, were, you were scoring a run. I can remember I played in 93. I played with the state player of the year. He'd been drafted by the Braves that year. He played the big leagues for a while. He was the manager of the Charlotte Knights last year for a little bit. I cannot remember his name, but he was from that Gastonia area. And he he was intentionally walked 11 times with the bases loaded that year, which I was like, <laughs> you've got to be freaking kidding me. He's, he can't be that good a hitter. And then I played with him for a week and I went, oh, yeah, okay, I could see where that, that at least comes in the conversation. I don't know that I would have done it, but I could see the conversation being had. So, like, let's flip the page. Let's start talking about the spring break and some of the places we've been. Let's let's just jump right in. Let, tell me, tell me, where did you go? And then, out of each place you went to, give me give me a team that kind of stood out. Um, let's, uh, for positive reasons uh, of the teams you watched, <laughs> whether it's a team in the Power Twenty Five or a team that's knocking on the door, or just a team that was fun to watch. Uh, 
at Corinth Holders last week for the, the battle at the Boneyard. Uh, you know, obviously rain changed our schedules at the end of the week with, with the weather we had here. But uh, great games there. Uh, got to see Wake Forest, Middle Creek, Corinth Holders, uh, Heritage, Wakefield, uh, Fuquay. Uh, first three games of the day were, were well-played games, not a lot of hitting. Uh, very clean, and uh, you get to the last game, Corinth plays in it, and that was the first game that, that got out of hand. They got some guys on early, and they do a good job applying pressure on the base pass. But uh, watching Wake Forest play play uh, against Middle Creek, I mean, you definitely see why we have them there. There's so much depth in that lineup, and uh, they're feeling good right now, and, and I think they were the best team there. And you go down to Moorhead City at the beach, and a ton of teams there, and uh, – Topsil was a team that, that stood out for me, but then you sit and watch New Hanover play, and uh, you can see New Hanover matching up with really anybody in the state. With uh, They have an older lineup. Uh, they have some good arms on the front end they can throw and good defensively up the middle of the field, and uh, I think playoff time is going to be very exciting this year. Well, while you were there, I actually got a chance to go to the Bobby Murray tournament, so I got to my old stomping grounds and, and hung around Millbrook High School and told everybody – and hung by, hung around by the sign with my name next to it, so people could ask me about it and things like that. And um, it was good to be back there. It's it's a unique tournament. I think they said it was his thirty fourth year. Um, I can remember working that tournament when I was eleven and twelve. Um, you know, and helping chase foul balls and things like that. And that was back when that conference, that Cap Eight conference, would bring in teams from Virginia and Ohio. It would be Cap Eight versus the world. You know, times have changed. Things have evolved. And now, you know, it's gotten to where the Millbrook side had three teams and they played a doubleheader on day one. And then there was a Holly Springs side and they played a doubleheader on day one. And I got a chance to see the Millbrook side. Um, Millbrook's an intriguing team. Um, no power arms. Uh, the, the lineup has some depth and they've got a guy in the middle of the lineup, Mason Fortune, um, who's a quarterback and a highly regarded quarterback from, from what I can tell. I haven't read up on him a ton. Um, but he's a good athlete. He's got hand strength. He, he can get to velocity. He has good barrel awareness. And so he has a chance to drive in runs. It's, it's, he reminded me a little bit of Sam Howell. He's not nearly as physical as Howell was at Sun Valley. You know, the quarterback's going to be with the Redskins this year. Um, but it's the fact that they're such good athletes. They have that hand strength, and it's just a direct swing. And I'm just going to put the barrel on it, and I'm strong enough. The ball's going to jump off the barrel, and everything's head high line drive. I, I think if they were getting, you know, 300, 400 at-bats a year, both guys, I put a draft number on Hal, um, you know, during his junior year. And he obviously didn't play his senior year because he'd gone gone on to college to, to start his career there. Um, but just in tracking him, just I wondered what that swing would do. I don't think Fortune's quite as far along as Hal was in the box. Um, I don't think he – I think he's a, he's a really good prospect in terms of, of being a quarterback – um, but I wonder if he was getting 400 swings uh, or at-bats a year, if that swing wouldn't have a little bit more leverage to it. So they were fun to watch. From a mound standpoint, they threw um, a ton of breaking balls in the zone um, and really played defense behind that. And they trust, hey, hey we're going to keep guys off balance. We're going we're to locate fastball down, and we can spin breaking ball anytime we want. And it kept some good teams off balance. They beat Sam Harris. Um, Sam had taken uh, brought was being one hit but it scored one run and sam took it into the seventh and you know with two outs and two strikes they get a bleeder get another bleeder <clears throat> and then you know hit a ball in in, uh, in the gap that scores a run a ball's thrown away and another run comes through so 
it, it, it was good to see, you know, competitive games. And, and Millbrook's one of those clubs that they keep things close. They like what they can do at the end of the game. So are they a power 25 team? I, I would like to see a power arm on the front end, somebody that you that, that, that imposes some fear early in the tournament. But they're also one of those teams, if they get rolling in the tournament and get some confidence, because they can keep hitters off balance, they may, may create some issues. Uh, the next day, I was at, in Pitt, uh, the Pitt County Classic. It's raining. It had gone. It was 85 at Millbrook. I got up on whatever morning, Friday, Friday morning, and it was 68. I got to the park. It was 60. First pitch was thrown. It was 55. The end of game one, it was 53, and it continued just to drop. And it was drizzling and dreary all day. Um, Greenville Rose and Roseville played a tight game. I like Greenville Rose. They lost, but I like that lineup. I like what they do on the mound. That was a tough day for baseball, and Roseville did a great job. Um, And then I saw D.H. Conley and A.C. Reynolds play for about four innings. (laughs) And they actually got into the fifth. Both teams scored two runs in the fifth to make it 5-5, and the umpires saw guys slipping all over the place on the grass and said, hey, we're at a, we're at a good stopping point. It's 5-5. We'll revert back to the inning before. It's 3-3. It's a tie. We shut it down. We move on. Nobody gets hurt. So, uh, but, but hats off to the, to the Greenville community and then the people that do that field where Greenville Rose plays because it was in great shape and, and held a ton of water. Um, and then we, we all had Saturday off. We got a chance to, to do Easter at home on Sunday. Um, and then I'm trying to remember Monday, I did uh, the Rowan County tournament and saw several fun teams there. Hickory Ridge is a fun team to watch. Obviously, when Mako throws and the depth of the lineup East Rowan, um, they're, they're a very, very good team. They'll be dangerous in the postseason. I think Cobb Hightower had nine at-bats and eight barrels. Um, <laughs> And they actually split. Lake Norman found a way. I'm, I'm sorry, not Lake Norman. Um, Mooresville. You know, the coaching staff at Mooresville does a tremendous job. Th- those kids just play, and they pick they up the baseball that day, right? They, they did. Every team played. Just game. about. Uh, Mooresville was one of the teams that didn't. <clears throat> so they caught West Rowan or East Rowan on the second game, and their first game or their only game was that eight o'clock at night game. Um, but it it, it was. It was a game that, you know, it was just kind of a grind game. And, you know, for whatever reason, Mooresville does a good job as well. When they go get arms, they're down in the zone, they spin breaking ball in the zone. And, you know, keeps good high school hitters off balance and, and gives them a chance to kind of execute offensively late. So they were fun to watch. Um, I did the Jack Sink tournament at two spots. I was at South Mech and then at um, East Mech. Um, I saw South Mech and Parkwood play. Um, Cam Bagwell, who's a, uh, is a 2020, is he a five? Four. He's a four. He, he's, nope. he's back on the mend and, and they're hoping to have him back on the bump, um, for the, the playoffs and, and getting him a couple outings here in the coming weeks. There was, there was rumors he may have actually was going to throw in their second game that day before I left and went over to East Wake. I'm sorry, uh, East Mech. And they beat Charlotte Christian one nothing, but Cole Gillis threw a gym. So I think they just let Cole roll. But I think from reports, we haven't seen it. Bagwell's been in that 88 range, just kind of working back into shape. So that's good. That's really good news for South Mac, really good news for Cam. Um, and then I got a chance to see uh, Porter Ridge. And Porter Ridge lost two really good players to Combine. 
uh, before the season started, uh, an arm and a catcher that's also uh, kind of a dual guy in high school. Um, but they just kind of keep plugging. And, and Shane Brown, who played for me at Charlotte, doing a tremendous job with that program. Love watching them play. And we're going to get into one of their players here in a little bit. So that got me to, to Terry Sanford. And then Terry Sanford, I was I was on fumes a little bit. Um, but I, East Bladen came into the came into the week. I think they were four and six on the year coming into the week. Um, they won two games to get to the championship day. I think they knocked off uh, Richmond County. I had to go back and look at it. That or or Wayne Wayne Country Day or they knocked off somebody. And you're like, okay, that's a really good win. The top four in their lineup can go. And they, you know, then they went last night. They scored nine runs on Terry Sanford, and they they had a five run lead in the second. Um, you know, bang, bang, bang. Little short on the mound, um, but they play hard, and they were fun to watch. Um, and and I got a chance, and um, Milton Center, who a, a lot of our fans in the the triangle may know, uh, had retired from Fuquay, and he's moved down to that area. He's actually an assistant coach on that team, and I think. Um, you know, obviously anytime coach centers around, it, it, he's going to have a positive impact, but they were a fun group to watch. So, um, that's kind of the quick briefing on that. Um, and everybody we saw, but let's jump into some, some players. Um, Matt, let, let's start with uncommitted seniors. Were there a couple uncommitted seniors that kind of stood out for you as you were going through and, and watching games? I know we're going to have all this information going out on our blogs, but just give me a quick rundown on some guys that maybe popped for you that were still uncommitted. Uh, Cole Quinlan, uh, arm at Heritage, uh, threw really well. Uh, he was limited in his innings. I know they had conference played this week, so a lot of teams were, were breaking up their guys a little bit, trying to get them a little short outing, but he just went out and dominated. Uh, Mid-80s fastball, in the zone the whole time. Uh, like his breaking ball, confident. Uh, he pitched well. Surprised he's uncommitted, honestly. Uh, Middle Creek had two. Blaze Leonard, outfielder. Uh, athletic, comfortable in the box. Got some good swings off against Wake Forest. Uh, Bryce Dale, uh, corner infielder for him, pitcher. Threw strikes on the mound, but uh, he looks like he could be on a football field. Um, physical. You know, looks good in the box. Yeah, physical kid. Uh, Good-looking body. Um, then you get down to uh, – I believe East Carteret is the team. Uh, Jackson Gals, left-handed hitter. Or, no, I'm sorry, East Duplin. East okay. Duplin. Uh, played uh, middle linebacker uh, for their state championship football team. Uh, left-handed arm. 80-82. Uh, um, threw seven innings. Game went extra innings. He left the game 2-2 tie. Uh, all, all in the zone. Pitched well. And then uh, West Carteret has an unsigned senior, Josh Mason. Saw him last year, played well. We saw him at state games. Um, had a little bit of an arm issue, so uh, he's been playing some some different positions defensively. Uh, athletic, can go get it in center field. Um, swung the bat well, drove some balls, and then a uh, new handover, Connor Marin, uh, plays third base for them. Uh, winds blowing in down at uh, Big Rock in Moorhead City. Uh, hit one to the warning track, drove the ball well. But, uh, you know, that's, that's naming a few for you after – after a week of baseball. Yeah, and, and obviously we'll have a ton of information coming out, some video coming out on those guys from what you saw. But, yeah, Connor's a name that sticks for me. It comes up every time we're asked, hey, who's still out there? Who's What's going on? I'm like, there, there's a really good baseball player at New Hanover. And 
you know, we obviously, we don't know everything that's going on in the recruiting process and everything about every young man, but, you know, he's going to find a place to play. And I think he's got a chance to impact because he's willing to play multiple positions. He's got a chance to hit, um, you know, and he understands the game. He comes from a program that's, that's, that's taught in the game. I think he understands how it's, how it's to be played. So that's a good list there. We're going to start from my end. Weddington High School threw a senior left-hander, Sean Katzbaugh, um, or Cat's back, B-A-C-H. I don't know how he pronounces it. Um, but it's a lower slot lefty. I mean, he's he's sidearm. It's a lot of arm side, um, even on fastball and slider. Um, it was uh, 78 to 81, you know, so it's not overpowering stuff. But in terms of slotting, he's different. He's a different lane. It's long. It's lanky. He's a good athlete. You know, so I think he has a chance to maybe impact somebody just because he throws from a slot that may not, you know, there may be good college staffs that don't have that slot. And he he, he provides that fill. And I, he can get left-handed hitters out because he was very tough on them. But I, he, can get that, he can get right-handers out too because it's just coming from a different angle. Um, Hickory Ridge has an outfielder that's actually – he's committed to Catawba Valley. I think he's waiting to see – What's going to happen with that program, which we've heard maybe this week we'll have an update as to whether or not they're going to keep it, which knock on wood, let's go, keep the program. There's too many good players in North Carolina. We can fill your roster. Um, I know their coaching staff's working hard to keep them, but Balcom's right-handed hitting outfielder with strength in his hands. Um, I, I would have him average to above running, good route runner in the outfield, solid baseball player, and I think his best is going to be ahead of him. So I think a junior college situation you know, would allow him you know, to continue to develop for another couple of years. Um, another name from the Rowan County Tournament, Lucas Graham, uh, left-handed hitting second baseman. Um, probably average to maybe slightly below speed, but he plays a little bit quicker on the infield. Um, I think he's probably a second baseman. You may be able to shift him over to third if you position him correctly. You know, maybe a first baseman. I would be interested to see if the arm strength, if you could shift him behind the plate, because I think the bat plays. You're just looking for a defensive position where that bat plays, and he has to be open to all that stuff too. But I've seen him twice this year, and all the guy does is find barrels. Left-handed pitching, right-handed pitching, velocity, spin. It's just balanced and simple and bang, 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 bang. He's on the barrel. Um, and then the final one, and, and you're going to think I'm crazy when I make this statement, but Matt, because we don't we don't know who he is. It's the first time I've heard the name. He may be the best catch and throw guy. Be careful with this. He may. Uh, we got some really good ones. He's in the top three catch and throw guys in the state. There's a young man named Lance Noon. He's at Terry Sanford. I think it's his first year there. I think there's a Texas background. I know there's an ROTC background because I think he's earned some scholarship opportunities through ROTC. He <clears throat> may be softly committed to a school through the ROTC stuff, but I think he still wants to play baseball. So anything that happens with baseball would trump it. He's physical. He's put together. I mean, it's it's broad shoulders, thin waist, thick thighs. Um, it's average bend behind the plate, but the hands work pretty good. And between the innings, I mean, he threw six balls in a row between innings that were between the knees and the belt on the second baseman on the bag, 197 to 205. Um, in game, he was 209 on the bag. He was 206 on the bag. He caught two steal steals there, and then he picked off a runner on first base, thrown behind a guy. Offensively, 
it's defense over offense right now. But if you're a college program and you need a catch and throw guy, or you need a guy to come compete and push a, a catcher. Uh, you may want to call Coach Guy Terry Sanford because that dude can really, really catch and throw. And so I was excited. And again, um, I, I'm going to go back through my notes. I'm saying top three right now, but I am punch drunk because it was a lot of baseball. I got home at 2 a.m. I, I was still jacked up from trying to make the drive home. So it was about four before I got, got to bed. I need to go back and watch some video and make sure what I'm saying. But as we're doing this podcast, I would stick by that. So, um, Matt, real quick, any names that kind of popped for you, underclass names that uh, either we didn't know or we knew of, but maybe they played a little better than, than what we thought? Yeah, I got, got to see several over the last week. Uh, Corner Tolders has a shortstop, Reese File, uh, athletic kid, sophomore. Uh, the night game there, he comes out, hits three balls on the barrel. Um, still needs a, l- a little work action wise at shortstop, but there's some there's some foot speed there and athleticism. Um, Isaac Miles at first flight, we saw him at a at a pre preseason All State event. Uh, saw him throw this week in Moorhead City, uh, threw really well. Um, then uh, Hoggard High School uh, saw Hoggard yesterday. They several left handed hitters in that lineup. Um, they have a of a shortstop. Uh, Bonnet, I believe, is his, his last name. First name slipping my mind right here. Logan. Uh, Logan. Logan Ponnet. Logan Ponnet. Uh, I like I saw him last year in Wilson. He popped for me too. Just barrel, yeah. barrel, barrel, barrel. Yeah, high high energy player. Coaching staffs loves him. Uh, Luke Vargo, left handed hitter. He played third for him yesterday. Coaching staff said he's bounced around a little bit. Uh, left handed hitter put some good swings on the ball. They threw an arm. Chase Busher. Uh, very intriguing. Uh, I think he was 85, 87. Uh, there's more in the tank there. Uh, Topso has a freshman shortstop, uh, Gibson Todd, uh, athletic kid. Saw him put some good swings on the ball. Uh, South Brunswick, their catcher, Patrick Bolt, uh, hit a grand slam. Um, throws pretty well from behind the plate, but he's been kind of part of the group hitting behind Walker Jenkins that uh, has pr- produced for South Brunswick. And again, reminder, we're going to have a bunch of information on all these players. We're trying to keep this podcast underneath six hours because we could. We could go in depth on a lot of these guys. I'm going to give you a name that's going to be in our in, in our conversations for uh, future games. Left-hander, I'd never seen him. He plays for an alum of mine, so that's freaking 15 minutes down the road. So me and Brownie are going to have a chat about this one. But Garrett Long, we actually saw him as an eighth grader when he was with Mission Baseball. He still plays with him. He's a 2025. In the summers, he's young enough he can play with the 26s. So it's still very young, developing, um, but it's a lean, athletic body, probably six foot, six foot one. I'm going to say 160, but that's a guess. It's it's kind of a lower slot. It's like a three quarter slot. It's athletic, it's quick, it's whippy. Um, and he faced a lineup um, with Charlotte Latin that doesn't have a ton of punch, but they were very competitive. And he probably threw 90% fastballs. And it was. It was anywhere from 83 to 87 with life. And, I mean, just taking off in the zone. The spin rate didn't suggest it had a ton of ton of carry, but you, just your eyes, you could tell that ball's jumping on hitters. So you, you talk about a lower slot guy that has ride. Typically, we think of those lower slot guys or sink guys. So when you start seeing lower slot guys that can carry that ride through the zone, it's a different guy. He's got to show a slider. He's got to show a little bit of improved uh, changeup. 
but uh, Garrett Long's a name that we may be discussing here as part of a draft, um, you know, type talk in two years if he continues to develop. And again, that's one look, but it was a very, very impressive look. Cannon School, um, not a not a program we've talked a ton about in the last couple of years, but they they're they're going to make some noise because they threw strikes in the front end. I think they already have a win over Charlotte Christian this year, and we looked at that. And went, what are we? That wasn't a bad loss. That the the guy they the guy that beat Charlotte Christian's a strike throw with two in the zone, some funk to it, um, and then they were physical in their lineup. Tyler Green's a 2024 uh, first baseman, left-handed hitter, hit a home run to tie the game in the sixth. I mean, he looks the part, and there's bat speed. Victor Lopez is their shortstop, 2025. Um, I'm going to say again, six one one seventy. Like it's a guess. I don't have the specific number, but. He moves around the right way. I mean, he looks the part uh, at short. The exchange, once the ball's in his glove, he caught the ball fine. Once the ball's in his glove, his actions through exchange and release are a little bit raw. There's only one arm action really right now, and it's everything's kind of in that high three-quarter slot. But trans, you know, we see that in some northern kids sometimes. So I don't know his background, but you know, you see some northern kids get to college and then all of a sudden they're able to loosen those arm slots and make you know routine plays look a little bit more routine. Victor was that guy for me. I think the bat's going to play too. J.H. Rose has a shortstop. Alex Popovich, junior, six foot 180. The action stood out, especially on a rainy, cold day. Played with some pace and some energy. Um, A.C. Reynolds. We're going to talk about Cade Gardner, who's a guy we've talked about. Both you and I like. We see these guys in workouts. We see these guys in settings that we're controlling they're, and they're not natural baseball settings we're going to move you around every single inning we're, we're timing you for this we're, we're wanting to see these it's a baseball but it's metrics baseball and we liked him in that environment i loved him in real live baseball <clears throat> he plays with pace he plays with energy he's got an idea what he's doing every single at bat there's a plan it's a direct path with barrel feel there's strength in the hands I think Cade Gardner is going to be a really good player at the next level for somebody when they get in there and see him. Carson Cherry, again, another player that we've, we've liked at some events. Um, a, a little bit undersized, 5'9", 160, plays with quickness. Um, facing Chance Mako, and, and Mako was fairly dominant throughout the entire night, except Mr. Cherry, who went L8, ball in the barrel, and I mean absolutely crushed. Double L7, over the L7's head, absolutely crushed. And then his final at bat against somebody in relief, F7, and a ball he just missed. You know, so a little bit undersized, but what's the one thing hitters have to do at the next level? They have to handle velocity. And, and Carson's showing he has the, the, the chance to do that. Midway High School got locked up with Richmond County yesterday. It's Terry Sanford. I got to see Cameron Seagraves, Campbell commit, um, 87 to 92, 2,500 spin rate, ball riding through the zone. Hard banger, punched 11 or 12. It was a really good outing, but he was outdueled. John Nelson McLamb, <clears throat> tall, lanky, broad shoulders. You know, he gets turned in his delivery. He's got his back to you. His arm wraps a little bit. Um, really good feel for his arm side. Really good fastball, breaking ball mix. Fastball is only up to 81, but I think, again, it's different. It's a lower slot left-hander pitching from the far left-hand side of the rubber that's big. So he's coming from some angles that hitters don't ever see and they don't ever practice. And that, that's a name to watch. I don't know that he's going to be a guy that's off the board early, 
um, in the junior class. But as we get to the state games, he's one outing away from somebody to pop, deciding, hey, that's that's the guy we're going to run a, run a, uh, a scholarship offer out to. And then two names from Terry Sanford, Brent Smith, who's a guy that we know, um, you know, I think C35, uh, really athletic, you know, catches the ball stable, balanced in the box. He just – he does everything average to above, everything. Um, but then they had a freshman last night, Josh Mazingo, is playing second opposite Brent. Um, and Josh, good actions, plays with confidence, hits at the top of the order. Did get a chance to see him swing. He's spread out. He's got vertical bat and a little tipped, kind of a tip load. But he's just he drove pitch counts up. I think he walked multiple times and he caused some issues when he was on the bases. He closed the game at 81-82. I think he's a position player over a pitcher. Um, and then the final name, because we don't see this a lot, and um, I'm going to give you two more names, sorry. The first one is Amar Lewis, and I should have mentioned him with a senior. So he's a senior, three-sport start, East Bladen. Junior college guys, there, there's a there's a six foot four, two 205-pound, looks the part of a pro guy who has a chance to hit. It's raw. He's a first baseman. Maybe he's an outfielder, but he's got a chance to hit. I'm, go get him. He's ready. Um, and then the last name is actually a Charlotte softball commit. She's playing uh, for Terry Sanford, Skylar Young. She did not get in the game, um, but she worked out at short. I got a chance to w- watch her watch her move around and throw. Um, apparently, uh, she is going to be a very, very good softball player um, for Charlotte. But I, she's she's got a chance at some point, maybe the next couple of years, to push some people and get some playing time over there at Terry Sanford. She's a good player. Um, and it gives you an idea of some of the depth when, because I think if she's at a lot of other high schools I've seen, she is playing, but the, the depth Terry Sanford has, they don't necessarily have that one standout guy. Cause they're going to be somebody we talk about for the power 25. I think they're now 19 and two or 18 and two. Um, are they a team that scares you if you get in the playoffs? Probably not, but they, they just keep winning. They won 12 9. They won 1 0. They won 5 0. They win 4 3. They, they find ways to win. They, the lineup has a little bit of depth. They got a bunch of guys that can throw strikes. So, um, But Skyler was, she was fun to watch her in and out and warm ups and watch her interact. And so, you know, kudos to her. Kudos to her teammates for, you know, you know being inclusive and, you know, all the stuff that people talk about in the world today. I just thought that was pretty neat. So. We're at 42 minutes. I feel like we're freaking running a sprint, dude, trying to get through <laughs> all the stuff we saw. Um, let's talk a little bit about next week. I know this week we pushed the Power 25 to next week just because we were on the road. And there's a lot of things going on. Uh, Player of the week, Diamond Notes will encompass two weeks. And so we'll be able to talk about and let coaches kind of give us some updates on all those guys. What, what what are some of your thoughts as you get ready to start whittling down that power 25? Um, how, how many teams do you think are you looking at, you know, are we going to have to add? And is there room to add? Or has anybody down at the, that 15 to 25 played their way out? Uh, I think there's definitely some teams we need to add. Uh, some teams have played their, their way out. And then obviously talking to people all the time and what we hear, you know, in the last two weeks, being able to actually get out and see those teams. I think it probably confirmed some of what we heard and I think it'll look a little different. Uh, seeing Wake Forest made me feel really good about where we've had them all year, even though they're, they're early season struggles. But then uh, you see New Hanover, Middle Creek, Corinth, you know, there's, there's teams right there that, uh, you know, they match up in the playoffs. You know, we could see another year with a, a lot of early exits and, 
I was telling a guy this week, you know, you saw Richmond senior yesterday. I said, that's a team you don't want to see in the first round. No. You know, you get, you get, you get C graves and uh, anything can happen. They, they win a first round game and then play really well round two and C graves again, round three, you never know what can happen. That, and that that's exactly what they're set up to do. And I think, and again, it goes back to those conferences that are really, that really test teams throughout the year, you know, because if they have the ACE and he can be dominant there, boom, got check number one, we win. Now in game two, maybe they give up six in the first. You know what? We did that earlier in the year and we won. We'll figure it out. Let's just relax and play. And then you're up six nothing, and all of a sudden in the third at six four, and in the fifth at six five, it ain't the team that's winning that's 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 feeling good about that. You know, yeah. we, we gave up a six run lead. We're only up one now, and this other team, they they've just continued to go. Now we got to figure out what to do. Um, you know, I, I, watching Terry Sanford and the way they, they managed that game last night, you could see Coach Guy even building towards what could possibly happen. They played three games in three days. Their starter last night is a position player. He's also their number two. But you and I both know how hard it is to play three games in three days. There's a reason college games on Sunday look messy. Guys are tired. Now we're asking high school guys, they're they're exhausted. Plus, their normal biorhythms are screwed up because they're not in school. They're not eating at the same time they've been eating for the last four months. They're not. All these things are different. So there's all sorts of reasons games can get out of whack. When the game gets out of whack, though, you could see coaches managing those situations for who's going to relax, who's going to be calm. Do I need to see if this guy can get me through or do I need to just go to the next arm? You know, because in the playoff situation, you know, I, I don't need to go to my third and fourth and fifth arm in the second inning. Can this guy that's getting lit up a little bit relax and throw me one zero? And if he throws me two zeros, then we're rolling. But he's got to get me one. And we saw a little bit of that last over the week with the teams that we've seen. Yeah, a lot of teams you could tell uh, we're trying to get guys some time in, in preparation for the conference tournament and the playoffs. And saw that with South Brunswick yesterday. They, they threw some guys that, that haven't threw a whole lot, trying to get them ready for uh, when they're needed late in the year. And um, a lot of good baseball teams in North Carolina, and there's a lot of conferences that that have a, have more depth than uh, than what a lot of people know. So you, you see some records, and uh, you can't get caught up in record too much. You gotta you, you see it, you realize, hey, playoff time these these teams can make a run. Well, I think one of the you know, obviously you're got, you've got the power 25, and I'm going to assist in that. Our rest of our staff's going to assist in that, and then part of my responsibility is is doing our our Mid Atlantic Regional. So taking South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, and Maryland and, and getting all four of you guys to kind of, you know, <laughs> at this point, early in the year, it was like, I don't know that we have five teams that need to be in this. I think now that you've been on the road, now that I've been on the road, there's going to be more from you. I know it's coming from Virginia, maybe a little bit from Sammy in South Carolina. There's going to be some banging on the table of the my top 10 are regional teams, my top three should really be considered for national because, you know, and I, I spent time watching at the NHSI. I saw five or six clubs that we had in our, our national top 25. East Forsyth and Wake Forest would be fine matching up with them. I don't know that they're going to win two out of three, but I don't know that they're going to lose two out of three either. That Those, you know, if they're, if they're slotted in at number 23, number 20 nationally, I can defend that. I have no issues defending that. You know, and how far down that line do we go? Because, like you said, New Hanover and Middle Creek and some Corinth holders now, they're starting to get some guys back. You know, 
are there five clubs, six clubs that are going to be high enough ranked in our Southeast or in our Mid-Atlantic region rankings that now I can really push? Can we get two teams? We haven't had any in the national rankings. Can I get two? If I get two, can I get three? I don't think the separation between the, the clubs I saw in California and Florida and what we've got in North Carolina is as big as I thought it was going to be. Um, and, and it's not talent. It's not the talent across the state. It's the, the delusion of the talent. There's more high schools being built and high school teams are being spread apart where a lot of those teams in California and Florida are built, not not through recruiting, but through recruiting. You know, they're able to pull kids from different areas and put them together. So uh, it's going to be an interesting week for us. And obviously Power 25, I think, is a Monday. National or regional rankings Tuesday and maybe national rankings on Wednesday, something like that. So um, we'll – I'm sure I'm going to be on the phone a bunch with our other regional guys as you guys are pecking me about how in the world can this team not be higher. Just tell them to give you uh, one team each and we'll fill in the rest with North Carolina and call it good. (laughs) (laughs) And we could, I honestly think, and they would match up and I think they'd be fine, but I know Sammy and I know, I know Shank and Burton and and those guys in Virginia, um, you know, they, they got a, they were in a really good spring break tournament and got a chance to see some of those clubs for an extended period of time. And it's the same thing, you know, like you. You know, you see a team play for three days, and they play hard, and they play clean. It becomes a lot easier to defend. Well, they don't have they don't have a prime arm. You know, me with Millbrook. And obviously, I, I went to school there. <clears throat> There's a little bit of a draw there for bias there or whatever. But um, they don't have a power arm. But they ran out three dudes that were anytime they wanted. Here's breaking ball, bang, and then and they were okay breaking balls. They weren't flipping them in there. They were okay breaking them. And they threw them for strikes, and so it's I can now defend. They don't have a power arm, but and, and it gives you that chance. So uh, same, same mean, thing with Hoggard. You know they they may not have pitching depth, but you watch their lineup swing it. You you face them when you're throwing your your threes and fours. You know you might be in for a long day. Well, so Tommy, their head coach at Hoggard, played for me at Charlotte, also played for me with the Wilson Tobbs and, and helped me get the Charlotte job. Um, but but Tommy doesn't text or email me enough, so we're not ranking them. So <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm kidding. Hoggard people don't know. That was, that was a joke. That was a joke. But, yes, Tommy, you can you can reach out. Let me know how you're doing. So, um, you know, it, it it's going to be a fun run here to the end. And it is. We are at the point now where it's going to be a little bit more of a sprint. You know, so the next – two to three weeks, getting ready for the conference tournaments, sprint to that part. I think the biggest determining factor on what we're going to like as we get into the, in the state playoffs, one, who finishes strong? Which lineup continues to build depth, even off the bench? Which bullpen finds that one other guy? And then two, who's healthy? You know, and because that has always played a factor in North Carolina. And there's a, a couple of teams that are ranked right now that uh, I think are getting hit with the injury bug a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they manage that. Did you see injuries over the spring break week? Did you see guys going down? Did not. So um, I've always wondered. I, 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 saw, I, saw, I saw more than I would like to have. A couple of them were gory um, and, and just freak things. And you go, okay, he's, he got his eye or bu- nose busted up, got hit. He's going to be fine. But – um, you know, you see soft tissue stuff. And I, again, it gets back to most of these guys aren't used to playing three days in a row at the, especially at the intensity level that 
they do with high school games day in and day out. And so, you know, I, I saw some soft tissue stuff, nothing, nothing that was permanent, nothing that's going to, you know, wreck, wreck somebody's future, just may put them on the men for two to four weeks. Um, but now two to four weeks is now conference tournament play. And now we're, we're shortening that time. So it's always something I kind of like to watch is when their schedules get different, when they get taken out of school, their lunch, you know, their, their, their diet, uh, their diets change. How does that affect how they stay healthy? And I think it's important. They got through these these couple of weeks for the ones that are still going through spring break. Can they get through these couple of weeks healthy? And then can they take another step forward? Hey, we played great. We had a great time. We found that mojo. Boom. Can we keep it moving as we as we head towards the end of the season? Yeah, different different week for these kids playing at 10 a.m. and you know, no school, different schedule, different routine. So I'm sure they'll they may not like going back to school, but they'll they'll like playing at seven, seven p.m. again. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we're we're over fifty minutes, which is kind of our cutoff. So I'm gonna let, we're going to go ahead and shut this thing down here, Matt. You got about two hundred and fifty players to write up. If you could have those to me in the next couple hours, we'll get them posted, and uh, we'll go from there. <laughs> it may take yep. us four or five days, guys. We got a lot to write up, but I'm excited to see everything that you saw and see the video and see the write ups. I'm sure the same for me, and um, you know, the final thing I do want to say, and I kind of want to get your opinion on this. I had 11 different people come up to me and say, hey, love the podcast, love what you guys are doing. I'm glad that was awesome. Uh, that made my day every place I went. I'm also glad I didn't have anybody come up and go, you guys suck. But <laughs> <laughs> it's always, hey, you're the podcast guy. Yeah, I am. Yeah, it's okay. No, the, everybody was so good, so gracious. I really appreciate you reaching out. And Did you did you run into some, we'll, we'll call them quote-unquote fans? Yeah, I did. Uh People who listen to the podcast, uh, check the Power 25. And uh, you like when uh, people appreciate you being out to their games and, and getting to see it. And, and we really we really enjoy that. And all the ballparks I was at, they were great hosts and uh, good conversations. And uh, it's been a really fun week. Well, like I said at the beginning, we're, we're tired, but we have the greatest jobs in the world. Our, our job is to go watch baseball. So don't feel any pity for us being – away from home or being in the car until midnight of the week because we don't feel any pity. We would do it all over again. So for Matt Payne, I'm Brandon Hall. This is the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>